do me a favor if you don't mind go to social media and share uh, share and as you're doing that I um, want to give you a couple of announcements this weekend is resurrection weekend amen we are excited about what God is getting ready to do amen this weekend and so um, Friday starts it off amen uh, amen I'm trying to do this and talk at the same time usually come up right on my news feed, the first thing up, amen, but these doggone algorithms, amen, hallelujah, you sure, I don't see it, it's there, why is it not coming from now, see the devil, amen, you know we blame everything on the devil, amen, I promise you it ain't coming up on mine, all right, that's all right, I'll find it later, anyway, if you don't mind, just go ahead and share that, just go ahead and share that for me. Listen, um, first of all, uh, Friday night is Jazz in the Garden. We are excited about Friday night. It's going to be amazing. I'm, I'm looking uh, forward to it. Um, Jonathan sent me a piece, uh, sent me a recording of one of the uh, things that they're going to play. And listen, you all, we are in, a, in, in store for a treat on Friday night. It is going to be incredible. So I'm excited about it. Um, we also have poets. Amen. That's going to be here. Um, a very own Tilly. Ain't you doing a piece on Friday night? Amen. All right. Tilly doing a piece as well. Uh, we got a couple of poets and then we're going to have a live painting as well going on. It's going to be a night of elegance and good times. Amen. Amen. Find your babysitter. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. We need 13, 12 and 13 and above. Amen. All right. Teenagers can come, but amen. We Praise the Lord. All right. Glory to his name. We're going to have a good time on Friday night. So I'm excited about that. Make sure you invite somebody to church as well on Friday night. It's going to be a great time right here at the Freedom Church for Jazz in the Garden. And then Sunday is going to be Resurrection Sunday service. Amen. I'm excited about that. Um, Sunday, we are having, we're putting up a tent outside, BYOC. Bring your own chair. Bring your own lawn chair. It's going to be like a festival outside. We're going to have a great time, so you want to make sure you are here for that. It's going to be an amazing time. And invite, invite somebody to church. Do you know Easter, Resurrection Sunday, is the best time to invite somebody to church? Because that is the time. If they don't come any time during the year, they will come during that time. So you want to make sure that you invite somebody for Resurrection Sunday service. It's going to be an amazing, amazing experience. Uh, we have a dance group that's coming from uh, Jacksonville University. The music ministry is going to be singing. Um, I have a special word. It's just going to be a great, great time. We're going to really enjoy each other. We have a bounce house for the kids. We also have a, a food truck as well that's going to be uh, outside and just a bunch of different things. So you want to make sure you're here. Don't miss any of it. Amen. Can we give it up for our praise team blessing us? Amen. <laughs> Amen. Thank God for the music ministry. All right. So tonight we were in the middle of a series called Friend and um, the Lord gave me something earlier this week after struggling through some things, and um, I thought, after I prayed about it, that, that I felt like it was necessary for me to teach this tonight um, and go into a little more in depth with it. Um, it is something that I think probably 90% of us in the room struggle with. It is something that um, is not talked about very much, but needs to kind of be exposed 
And so on tonight, I want to teach about overcoming abandonment issues. Overcoming abandonment issues. Um, Monday night, I went on Facebook Live, which I don't do very often. And um, I just felt like the Lord had given me some stuff and some people needed to hear it. And my inbox blown up since then. And amazingly, uh, <laughs> one person said, I don't even have abandonment issues, but that blessed me. I needed to hear that as well. And um, it just uncovers some areas that I want to really drive home and get into you um, on tonight. I want to start by s with this statement. A house that is built on an unstoppable foundation, unstable foundation, will not be able to stand strong. Let me say this before I, I really get it down into this. I need y'all to trust me as your pastor tonight. Okay? I need you to trust me as your pastor. Sometimes you come to church and you listen to the preacher and he's just that, a preacher. I need you to trust me as your pastor tonight. All right? Because I'm going to talk to some deeper places in you that might be uncomfortable, but it's going to help you at the end of the day. All right? Y'all got it? Okay. Um, a house that is built on an unstable foundation will not be able to stand strong. And the truth of the matter is, ladies and gentlemen, that's how our lives can be as well. Because the blueprint of our lives are shaped by the experiences we have and the treatment we receive at the beginning of our relational development. So if your childhood was built on pain and rejection, it sets your house on an unstable foundation. Okay. If your early relationships were built on neglect and abandonment, your relational house can easily collapse. And the truth is that many of us still have open, festering wounds because we have not found healing from the abandonment, rejection, and pain that we have experienced in our lives. But I'm so glad that your beginning does not have to determine your ending. I'll say that again, that your ending does not have to determine your ending. Healing and restoration is available to you. I need you to minister that to somebody around you and tell them healing and restoration is available to you. God can place you on a new firm foundation that won't crumble under the pressure or sink just because someone leaves you. And God is getting ready. This is what he said to me. God is getting ready to make you strong and stable. Okay. I need to say that again. He's getting ready to make you strong and stable. Um, if we be honest, most of us, not all, but most of our testimonies is not that we were born into a loving home with both of our parents, both being emotionally stable. Let me say that one more time. Our testimony ain't that we were born into a loving home where both of our parents were emotionally stable. Truth is, some of us have experienced the pain and rejection of at least one, if not both, parents. Maybe that's not your testimony. Maybe you had loving parents. God bless your ministry. But maybe your first experiences in relationships outside of the home were toxic at best. Rejected, taunted, bullied at school. 
broken by someone where we were in, that you were so in love with and thought that they were in love with you. Trusted the wrong person who abused and misused you. Am I talking to anybody tonight? Someone that took advantage of you and left an indelible scar on your soul. And the truth is that even though we are older, it does not mean we are better. God help me. Some of us have just learned how to hide the scars a little bit better. Some of us have learned when to wear the mask so no one can see our pain. Because when you have dealt with abandonment from your past, it leaves you feeling unsure in your present. You walk around feeling lost, undesired, discarded, insignificant, and sometimes even helpless. And the struggle, ladies and gentlemen, comes after abandonment. Because that is when you search for something that will fill that emotional void. Can we just have real talk? Have you ever been on the search <laughs> in your life before? Searching for something to fill that emotional void that happened to you in your past. I don't, you know, you've been on the search. You know what the search is. Looking for that relationship, trying to find that friend, looking for that food. Something to fill that emotional void that we feel on the inside of us. And what, in, what relationships end up becoming for us is just a minefield of rejection triggers. I know you don't want to tell the truth. I, I, hope, you, I hope you let me be your pastor tonight. Uh, we become sensitive, clingy, manipulative, anxious. Oh, I got a better one for you. You're not going to admit this. Obsessive. The crazy part is, I'm just talking about me. When you do overreact from your emotional outburst, you despise yourself even more for being that way. It's a cycle. Let your neighbor say it's a cycle. It's a cycle. So the only way that you can cope with your insecurities, watch this, is that you have to become clingy to the people that are in your life. And what is birth is a dependency on people to stabilize your emotions and define who you are. So I'm going to talk about me. I can't talk about y'all. I'm going to talk about me. I'm talk about me because I don't want to talk about y'all. Y'all got in, got in somebody's session and, uh, or counseling session. I'm telling their business. I'm talking about me. So what pastor did was he clinged to the church and then waited for the church to define me. Only problem is you are asking people who change their mind about who they are and what they believe and, and what they do to define me. They change their mind every other day. And if I put my faith, if I put who I am and my dependency and my stability and my emotions on y'all and y'all screwed up, where does that leave me? Can we have real talk right now? Because yeah. the latter, most part of, of the last nine years of me pastoring is that I told myself, watch this. Somebody asked me, said, why you didn't get married? And I told him something foolish. A preacher had to check me one day. I said, I'm married to the church. He said, you're a fool. Because she would cheat on you all the time. And subconsciously, what we are saying is, I 
to feel good about me so I can feel good about myself. Am I talking to anybody in the introduction of this? I need you to feel good about me so I can feel good about myself. And when you don't feel good about me, I can't feel good about myself. Genesis 29, verse 31 through 35. Y'all all right? We're going to ride through this? Okay, we're going to get through this. Genesis 29, verse number 31 through 35. Y'all ready? Read. Continue to do something hoping that the person you're doing it for, it would get their attention. Have you ever sacrificed in such a way that you just put yourself on out there hoping that they'll be so grateful? It's getting tight right through here. <laughs> Y'all feel it in the room? It's tight right there. So my question becomes, how do you overcome abandonment issues? How do you overcome abandonment issues? Now, if you caught me on live, uh, trust me, I'm not done. There's more that I left off, off that line, all right? So ride with me just for a little bit. Here's number one, accept your own emotional responsibility. Accept your own emotional responsibility. Accept your own emotional responsibility. Um, Jacob, I just want you to love me. Because I want you to love me, I'm going to have this first child. You still don't love me, so I'm going to have a second child. You still don't love me, I'm going to have this third child. Somewhere in between number three and number four, it dawned on her that nothing she does will ever get Jacob to love her. Can I give you some backstory? Jacob, the trickster, that's, his, that's what Jacob means, trickster, supplanter. Uh, Jacob, con man. Uh, Jacob was a trip. Jacob shows up at Laban's house. 
conceived his daughter, Rachel. Rachel was the fine one. Rachel looked good. And he said, well, give me Rachel. Can I get Rachel? Laban said, yeah, but you got to work seven years for me in order for you to have her. The Bible says he worked seven years. And then the night that they were supposed to consummate the marriage, the daddy switched the, the, the daughters. And he put Leah in her place. Leah, the Bible says, was tender-eyed. Tender-eyed. Leah was not the pretty Rachel. Leah would be looking off in the distance and saying she's talking to you. Yeah, you know what tender-eyed it means. She was not the pretty one. And and Jacob ends up with the one he didn't want. Jacob then goes back to Laban and says, how could you do this to me? And the problem is that the trickster got tricked. Ain't that a mess? Because you, know, you do know you will always meet your match one day, right? You will always meet somebody better than you. And so he says, all right, well, if you work another seven years for me, I'll give you Rachel. He works another seven, 14 years for one woman. Gets her, catches this. You ready for this? Gets her only to discover Rachel can't have no kids. Leah, tender-eyed Leah, is the one that kept having the kids in love with a man that ain't in love with her. I'm not even going to ask you if you've ever been there. And what she is doing is she is trying to make uh, uh, Jacob responsible for her own emotional stability. She's doing things in order for Jacob to be responsible for her emotional responsibility. Here's what I've discovered. Let me come out of that story just for a minute. Here's what I've discovered. When you have abandonment issues, I know y'all ain't going to tell the truth because it's going to be strong language, but I'm just going to be honest. When you have abandonment issues, paranoia can easily get out of control in your life. When you have abandonment issues, you get very paranoid. Some of y'all paranoid about your job right now. I know they're trying to fire me. Who told you that? <laughs> you paranoid. Now, if you just come in late every day and you leave and take two, two hour lunches and ain't doing what you're supposed to do, you need to be paranoid. But, but why do we get paranoid? Why? Because we want to be taken care of emotionally by those people that are around us. And if those needs are not met, we will release personal responsibility of our own emotions to somebody else. Why? Because we are trying to make the relationship be the answer to our abandonment issues. There's some people that got in our life because we wanted them to be the answer to our abandonment problems. So here's what we do. Let's be honest. If they behave a certain consistent way, we feel secure. But we panic when that person does not perform perfectly. Come on, let's talk. I'm, I'm guilty of this. Saints come to church every Sunday. Praise the Lord. They all right. They start missing. What's the problem? They mad because they think I said something from the pulpit. Why am I going on this trip? I had no conversation with that person. But I automatically projected to myself as being the problem. Why? Because now I'm living in paranoia. 
because I've seen this before when the member who I love and I took care of and I preached to and I got them up out of their stuff, when I did that for them, they still left. So now I am taking that and projecting on the person that missed two weeks and all they was was out of town. Ask your neighbor, say, neighbor, you ever been paranoid before? You got to answer. And because of your abandonment issues, you turn that person into your anxiety reliever. And without their constant reassurance, you will not feel secure. So when they act in funny, you are an emotional wreck. When they don't call at a certain time, abandonment kicks in. Am I? Oh, never mind. Because you constantly have to have constant uh, reassurance uh, in order for you to feel safe in the relationship. You have to have constant reassurance in order for you to feel safe in the church. You have to have constant reassurance in order for you to feel safe in that job. And the only way to stop your emotional reactions is that you must assume complete ownership of your own feelings. Here's what I discovered. This hard lesson I learned. People will always trigger your insecurities. Always. Always. Sometimes they ain't got, these men will just walk in. They ain't got to open their mouth. She thinks she's so cool. <laughs> you insecure about your race. And now you got to follow with somebody because of your own insecurity. People will always trigger your insecurities, but it's not their job to make you feel better about yourself. Stop getting relationships to make people make you feel better about you. Because they will never live up to that place where they'll make you feel better about you. Because when you insist that that person be emotionally responsible for you, it's like asking them to take on something that's not within their power. It's your responsibility to cultivate a healthy mindset that believes the best of yourself. So if I am not a size two, I'm still all right with me. And if I don't have six figures in the bank, my bills are paid, and I laid my head down last night, and I'm still all right. I have to be responsible for my own emotional stability, not you trying to be responsible for me. Because if I place it in your hands, the moment you pull back, then I'm all over the place. Can we have real talk? Have you ever been in a fit before over somebody not texting you back? <laughs> and let me tell you where the devil live. Can I tell you where the devil live? When it say red. Yes. <laughs> let me talk on this side. When it say red and you don't say nothing, then they get smart because when you bring that up, then they take that off. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> then let's take it to the next level. Then you send it and it say delivered. <laughs> and then you see that little bubble come up as if they typing something. <laughs> and then it goes away. And now, some of y'all so mad at me right now. It's all right. It's okay. It's okay. God wants you to be delivered. He wants you to be delivered from your iPhone. He wants you to be delivered. And now, watch this. When you don't get the response you want, now you're in paranoia. 
there must be something wrong with the relationship. All the time. So this leads me to my second point. Number two, write this down. Correct expectations. You got to correct expectations. Is this helping anybody? You got to correct expectations. Most times, um, most times when you struggle with abandonment issues, you have a tendency to approach relationships, watch this, with a consumer mentality. A consumer mentality. When you have abandonment issues, you approach relationships with a consumer mentality. What does that mean? What can I get out of this? I've been abandoned before. So since I've been abandoned, what can I get out of this? We assume that it's their responsibility to fulfill all of our needs because subconsciously, people with abandonment issues are continuously looking for compensation for what they've lost in being abandoned. Some people become selfish because the pain of their past has taught them to get what they can while they can. Is this too honest for y'all? Come on, let's go deeper. So the man becomes a dog because he has developed a consumer mentality that says, get yours, because ain't nobody loyal in these streets. And the woman becomes a gold digger because she has been so wounded by the person that took her self-respect and dignity that she now believes that relationships is all about what she can get out of it. So now the relationship becomes a business transaction. What can I get out of it? Can I make this live just for a minute? This is where I'm at, okay? I can't talk about y'all, I'm going to talk about me. So because I had been so wounded by people in my past and wounded by past uh, members, I started only looking at people as what they can do for me. Well, are you going to sing or are you not? And if you ain't going to sing, I, gotta, I ain't got no words for you. That's too honest for y'all? Oh, I'm going to get free tonight. I don't care what y'all say. Because I opened myself up to somebody in my past who I trusted, and when they wounded me and abandoned me and left, now I look at it as, okay, what can I get out of this? Now, I never said that, but that was my approach to it. Do y'all see that? When people are hurt, they feel like they are owed something. This is why sometimes it is so hard to get close to some of you because you got a chip on your shoulder because you feel as if something is owed to you because of what has happened to you. And here is where unrealistic expectations come in because we place the burden to repay the past emotional debt on who is in our life right now. So he has to pay for what they did. And she has to pay for what they did. And the, this pastor got to pay for what that pastor did to you. Look at your neighbor and say, this is not that. John 4, verse number 7 through 13. We read this a couple of Sundays ago. I want to read this one little part and just pull this part out. Uh, John 4, verse number 7 through 13. Come on, you ready? Read.
bet you think. She comes to draw water. Jesus says, I got water for you that will, will, you'll never get thirsty again. She said, where's this water, sir? I'd like to drink of it. Jesus says, go and call your husband. She said, I have no husband. He said, you are right. You have five husbands, and the one you're with ain't yours either. Watch this. Watch this. Here's the cycle. You ready? I didn't, I didn't put this on your paper, but I need you to hear this. Here's how the cycle works. We put the person up on a pedestal. We hold on tightly to them. And then the relationship becomes addictive because we start to believe that that person possesses something that we think we need. Let me say that one more time. We put that person up on a pedestal. Ooh, I ain't never been treated like this before. Oh, they sent me flowers on my birthday. Oh, they just so wonderful. They just so great. We put them up on a pedestal. Then we hold on to them tightly. Where you going? Who you talking to? Who that is? I don't like her. Watch this. And then the relationship becomes possessive because we think they have something that we think we need. I give to God. Sometimes because he holds on to it. I give to God. I give to God. See, um, I never saw this until I started really researching this out. Do you know the fear of abandonment and love addiction can go hand in hand? Because you're so scared of being abandoned, you become addicted to love. You met people who was always in love? I mean, always in love. You go from one relationship to the next relationship. You're always in love. You've been in, in love with 17 people in the last 10 years. You're always in love. Because you have a love addiction that is attached to your fear of abandonment. And because you are scared to be alone. You're scared to be dropped. You're scared to be left alone. You become love addicted. You ain't in love with them. You're in, you in love with the idea of being in love. Because what you told yourself is that if they love me, they'll never leave me. And do you know people who love you will leave you? Sometimes not even a bad thing. Sometimes people pass away. What do you do then? Do you see that? Everybody you love will leave. That's a, that's a harsh reality. I know a pastor shouldn't say that, but everybody you love will leave. And it's okay. Okay, let me, let me. So love addicts search for the constant fix. They use people to make them whole. This is why some people can't leave toxic relationships. This is why some people can't leave dysfunctional, unordained by God connections because they rely on people to be the source of their well-being. I have to have that person. I have to have this in order for, this, for, for me to feel good about myself. So here's what I used to do. You ready? Going back to me. When the church was packed, I felt good about myself. And when y'all decided not to come to church, I didn't feel good about myself. And I would go home and beat myself up as if I was the problem. It couldn't have been that you just inconsistent. It was me. 
Jennifer used to be my administrator. And those, when those times would happen, I'd come back that Monday, and I'm, I want to change everything from one bad Sunday. Well, we need to do this, and we need to move over here, and is the time wrong, and what's going on? Because I'm trying to fix whatever the problem is. It would never dawn on me that sometimes Negroes just quirky. <laughs> and they'll be back next Sunday. I never take in consideration. Somebody might be on vacation. It would never even dawn my mind. My abandonment would always kick in as if I was the problem. I know that ain't y'all. I get it. I know that ain't y'all. It's me. It's, it ain't you. It's me. Watch this. And what I've discovered is the relationship high only medicates the pain temporarily. So when I'm high in the relationship, it medicates the pain temporarily. All of a sudden, the pain of the abandonment ain't there no more. And you feel good about yourself. Watch this. That's why you got to be careful with your posts on social media. Because sometimes that's just medicated pain. Sometimes the image we try to put out there ain't nothing but, oh, give me a whole bunch of likes. Let me feel better about myself. So let me medicate the fact that I don't really feel good about myself. Are y'all hearing me? Okay. I, I, and again, I'm not, please understand, I want you to hear pastor, I ain't taking a shot at nobody. Uh, you know, if you took a good picture and you want to put out there, do your thing. I ain't mad at you. I ain't seen nothing wrong with that. But let's be clear about why you're doing it. Because sometimes we're doing it trying to medicate the pain of what we're really feeling on the inside. So likes now become how we medicate our pain. Watch this. Why? Because this expectation put, when, when, when the, uh, we, we put the, we want them to fix us, we, we're on a relational high, and, and it only medicates the pain temporarily. Why? Because this expectation puts a huge amount of pressure on one person, and, beca and because no human being can satisfy every longing in your heart, you end up disappointed. Let me say this again. All those that want to get married, no human being can satisfy every longing in your heart. Let me say it one more time, because the married people in here know what I'm talking about. No human being can satisfy every longing in your heart. And you will end up in a state of proverbial disappointment trying to make somebody be all things to you. Some days, they're going to be an 80%. Some days, they're going to be a 5%. But Pastor, it's all going to balance out. Mm, I don't know about that. To break this toxic dependency, you must change the way you get your needs met. You must change the way you get your needs met. To change this toxic dis de dependency, you must change the way you get your needs met. Okay, let me give you Bible. Psalms 34, verse number 10. Psalms 34, verse number 10. Come on, let's read it. Read. Underline strong. Young lions, even strong young lions sometimes go hungry, but those who trust in the Lord will lack no good thing. Watch this. Some of you, hear your pastor, you are very strong. You might, watch this, you are very strong. That means you got power, but you're young. Not, I'm not talking about your age. You 
wisdom. So when you are powerful and you lack wisdom, you become dangerous. You start to make decisions in immaturity and seek things that excite you but are not eternal. How many things have we gotten ourselves into over the excitement of it? But long-lasting, it wasn't good for us. The maturity needed for what you want has not developed for where you're going. And God is saying, if you trust in me to get your needs met, you will lack no good thing. Here's what I love about that. When he says to get your needs met, he's not just talking about finances. Do you know God can build you up emotionally? He can put something on the inside of your heart that if nobody tells you you're pretty, you look right in the mirror and look at you bad with your bad self. Look at you. If ain't nobody calling you for a date, you ain't sitting there on the side of your bed crying your eyes out, feeling sorry for yourself. Maybe God got you hidden on purpose because he don't need no foolishness hitting your life right now. And if you are sitting there, you're beating yourself up, you are not realizing that God can build you up in such a place that you can feel good about yourself regardless of who's saying something about you. God will take good care of you. Change where you're getting your needs met question I said this last night I said this on Monday night and this is real heavy and I need to say this again um some of y'all when I said this I, I could see you in the sphere you was like Jesus I can't take no more what would it look like if you took full responsibility for your happiness what would your life look like if you took full responsibility for your own happiness you stop placing in the hands of people stop placing the hands of relationships and you took full responsibility of your own happiness so here's what I had to discover. Um, not last year, year before last, I went to a, a, um, a pastor's uh, symposium on, on mental health, um, and um, there was this lady who got up, and she said something, said something that changed my life forever. She said, uh, it was all pastors there, and she said, Pastor, um, what, do you, what do you all do? And so we sitting there like, well, we pastor. Then she said, do you know that's not who you are? I said, what, hold on, that is who I am, I'm a pastor. She said, no, pastor is what you do. She said, Philip is who you are. That thing messed me up. I mean, wrecked me. That thing, I mean, completely wrecked me because I had never separated the two. So as long as the pastor was doing good, Philip felt good. But when the pastor started doing bad, Philip felt, felt bad. And when you separate the two out from each other, then the pastor could be going crazy. I'm still all right. What does that mean? So if I take full responsibility of my own happiness, that means I have to invest in myself to create, purposely create the life I desire. So let me tell you what I did. Last year, uh, that happened, when it was that 2017 was when she said that to me. 2018, my birthday came around. I'm asking people, some of my friends, y'all want to go out of town, y'all want to go out of town, y'all want to go out of town? Everybody, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, everybody, yeah, until that money is coming to play, right? Then they start dropping like flies. Then we get to the end of it, and can't nobody go. I said, you know what? I'm going to go by myself. 
So last year I went to Cabo on my birthday to another country. I was, you know, you know, I was a little nervous. That's another country. I, I know uno, dos, tres, cuatro, cinco, seis. Hola. Gracias. That's all I know. Y'all don't even know that? <laughs> but I made up my mind. I said, you know what? Why am I going to sit here, sit in my house, feel sorry for myself when I can take the reins of my own life and do what I want to do? I ain't got no wife, I ain't got no children, I ain't got no responsibilities I got to worry about. So why am I sitting here feeling sorry for myself? So you know what? I booked my ticket, got my hotel, and went by myself and laid in the bed looking out at the Riviera. Oh, I was just, listen. Because if I don't enjoy my own company, why, how can somebody else enjoy my company? Some of us sitting here, I can't stand to be alone. Well, ain't nobody else want to be alone with you either. Because if you can't stand to be with you, why would somebody else stand to be with you? You got to invest in your own life. You got to invest in your own life. You got to create the life that's, that's, that, that, watch this, that is going to make you happy. What does this look like? Now, it's not, it's not all about trips. I want to be very clear about this. And I don't want you to get caught on that kind of stuff. Sometimes seeking the life that, that, that God has for you means you got to go at another level of seeking him. Sometimes that's what it means. I'm so lonely. Seek him. Seek him. Stop looking for all this external stuff to fill in the gap. Because hear me, hear me good. Because while I'm on my trip, I spent me a good time with the Lord. He was talking to me real good. I, it's an anointing in Cabo. <laughs> he don't talk to me in Jacksonville, but he talked to me in Cabo. So I'm sitting up there, and let me tell you, God, that's true. So I'm sitting there, and I'm a couple, and I got myself all the way out there. And then I'm, I went to the restaurant, went to go eat. I'm sitting down to eat. Um, they had this lobster place. I love lobster. And I was sitting there, and I'm getting um, lobster with thermidor. I, thermidor. I never had that before. And I'm sitting there, and I'm eating, and I almost started to feel sorry for myself. And I'm sitting there like, Lord, I'm just sitting here. And, and all of a sudden, the Lord's like, ooh, here you are on a trip, but you ain't stressing over about paying. I supplied all your needs. Okay, let me back up. Because the, the, the ticket for the trip came because I got stuck at a at an airport one at one place, and all of a sudden they said, "Well, if you uh, don't if you don't go on this uh, on this plane, we'll give you a voucher for eight hundred dollars if you miss this plane." Get this: the plane was in Savannah, coming to Jacksonville. <laughs> Y'all don't see how the Lord works this thing out. And then she says to me, well, since you're right there in Jacksonville, we'll just pay for a taxi to uh, take you from Savannah back to the airport in Jacksonville. I said, will that come out to $800? She said, no. I said, come on, let's go. <laughs> Catch the revelation. So I'm sitting on the trip in Cabo, and God started talking to me saying, don't you see that I took care of you and supplied all your needs, and you sitting up here whining and complaining about who wasn't there? I was there. It wasn't nobody else there, and that's enough for you to be happy about. Are y'all seeing this? So what does it look like? It means seeking after God. Maybe the life that you're looking for requires that you get a therapist. Do you see that? Some things, ain't, pastor ain't going to be able to pray away. 
Sometimes you need to sit down in front of somebody. Do you get what I'm saying? I ain't offended by that. I had a member come to me one time. I said, that's above my pay grade. You need to, um. <laughs> Watch this. Sometimes that means traveling. Sometimes creating a life that you want means exercising. Sometimes it means creating new life goals for yourself or learning a new skill. Sometimes it means uh, diversifying relationships. Maybe some of your new friends don't look like you. Maybe they don't come from where you come from. Expand your borders. Are you seeing this? Okay, here we go. Number three. Number three, I got to go quickly. Learn to self-validate. Learn to self-validate. Is this helping anybody? Learn to self-validate. When you struggle with fear of abandonment, you are highly reliant on external validation to make you feel confident. You need constant reinforcement to verify that people love you so you can feel good about yourself. <clears throat> this is one of the major reasons why people jump from church to church. Because you need constant reinforcement. And if your name ain't called, and no one is constantly building you up, watch this. Here's the other one. You ready for this? The Lord said this to me. I don't know why I got to say this, but I'm going to say this. Or you are held accountable and you take that as offense. Then you have to jump ship to find a place where you can get validated all over again. Here's, what, here's the crazy part. Here's the crazy part. You ready for this? You be a member of a church long enough, after a while, excitement goes away. Especially if you don't build no relationship with nobody. The hey! go to hey am I talking y'all been here a long time you know what I'm talking about when you first came hey now hey that's Avery and if you need that constant validation you ain't gonna last long cause now you don't put that expectation out there for people to always build you up they care about me no more. No, honey, that ain't the problem. Watch this. And then your crazy tale, not you. You came to midweek. But then your crazy tale, get mad when the pastor say, touch your neighbor and say, when that was your validation right there. But it, it didn't come the way you wanted it to come. I'm moving on. Oh, I told you I'm going to get free tonight. <laughs> Abandonment wrecks your self-esteem. So you end up looking to other people to be your primary source of validation. And ain't nothing wrong. Hear what I'm saying. We all live for the sense of you want to hear you're okay. I'm, sometimes I preach and I just want to hear that was really good. You know, because, you know, as a preacher, preachers will tell you this. You had a whole church lit on fire. They could be shouting all over the place. I still remember this to this day when I first started out preaching. The church be on fire. And old nasty M M Sister Mayhew sitting on that second row. That's all I could look at. Let me, let me keep on. Sometimes that's all you want to hear is you're okay. There's nothing wrong, listen, with accepting affirmation. 
The problem is when you cannot function without it and continually need people to resuscitate you emotionally. Constantly needing people to resuscitate you emotionally. So let me give you some examples of this so you can clear about what I'm talking about. Uh, do you crumble when someone disagrees or disapproves with you? Do you spin out of control when you get criticized? Do you live in a constant state of offense? If, if, they, if, they, if they speak to you, it's a problem, and if they don't speak to you, it's a problem. Can't win. So my question, here's my other question that I have for you. Here we go. What would it be like if your mood was not controlled by people's words and behavior? Some of y'all need to write that down. What would it be like if your mood was not controlled by people's words and behavior? What would your job look like? What would your house be like if your mood was not controlled by people's words and behavior? How would your attitude be set up at work? How would your disposition change at church? How would your experience be at the family get-together? What would it be like if your mood was not controlled by people's words and behavior? I love my family. I love my mama. I love my aunts and my uncles. Dysfunctional. This one don't like this one, and that one don't like that one, and then this one's going to stand over there, and the other one's going to stand over there, and the young woman's sit, and us cousins sitting there, all our children, all their children sitting there like, they crazy. <laughs> I, we ain't doing all this. We ain't doing all this. Don't give people the power to determine your self-worth. You got to learn how to anchor yourself instead of relying on others to prop you up. Anchor yourself. Hebrews 6, verse number 18 through 19. Am I boring, y'all? Hebrews 6, verse number 18 through 19. Come on, read. God has to become my anchor when my emotions are all over the place. When I don't feel good about me, I have to be anchored in him. I, I can run into him and find my anchor. The reason you will not look back up um, from where God is taking you is because you have, you. the reason why you will not back up from where God is taking you is because you will be anchored in him. Can I tell you something? As your pastor, you are coming into a season now where you got to be anchored in him, that you can't be swayed all over the place, that you can't be moved by your emotions. Watch this, that you can't be swayed by what you see. Because your eyes are playing tricks on you and you will see all the wrong stuff. And God is saying you got to be anchored so much that even if it gets dark and you can't see what's in front of you, you got to trust me long enough that I got you. You got to come into this season now where you are anchored in him, where you are not swayed all over the place, where you're not moved all over the place. Emotions will change. People will change. Circumstances change. But God will never change. He is the same God yesterday, today, and forevermore. Got to be anchored in him. You know why you got to be anchored in him? You ready for this? Here's what I've discovered. Because approval seeking is fruitless. It will never satisfy. Some people ain't never going to be happy. 
Some people will never be happy. Ever, ever. And watch this. And here's why you got to stop being an approval seeker. Because no amount of praise will convince you of your significance if you don't believe it yourself. No matter how many times I tell you you're pretty, if you don't believe it yourself, it ain't going to mean nothing. You have to believe it for yourself. When you self-validate, it will force you to get clear on who you really are instead of defining yourself based on how people treat you. So, if you don't clap when I preach, and you don't shout, you sit there with your arm folded and your mouth poked out, that's when I holler, I'm going to preach anyway. <laughs> In my head, I'd be like, sick of Holy Ghost. Get him. Just get him. Mess him up. <laughs> Some of y'all done did that to me. And I got to the end of the message. <laughs> yes, Lord. Receive it. Should mean self. Here's number four. I got to go quickly. Number four, be authentic. This is not what I talked about uh, Monday night, so you're getting this fresh. Be authentic. You're going to overcome abandonment. You got to be authentic. Will the real you please stand up? Be authentic. I struggled with this for many years. Be authentic. Have you discarded your true self? Do you misrepresent yourself or hold back in relationships? Abandonment can lead to distorting your individuality. Why? Because you start to believe the lie that says you're not good enough. So you become who that person wants you to be. You ever seen somebody, somebody that got in a relationship, you're like, who is that? Because that is not my friend. You know why? Because we adopt counterfeit our identities, and we become fluid in personality. Can I deal with this? Because children ain't here, so they ain't here, so let me deal with this. We become fluid in personality. Now, everybody talking about fluidity and their sexuality nowadays. Watch this. What I've discovered is the main place our fluidity is is in personality. We are all over the place. We start to adjust ourselves to fit the desires of the people around us. So you get over here with the people that don't come to church and you cussing like a sailor. Then you come with the church people and all of a sudden you holy because you metamorphosis yourself into who you around instead of being the same person that you should be everywhere you go. We start to adjust ourselves to fit the desires of the people around us. So our true authentic self is lost and we live in discontentment because no one ever discovers who the real person is on the inside. So you in a relationship and still feel alone. Why? Because they never met who you really are. Because the problem is when you got abandonment issues, if I showed you me, would you still love me? If I showed you who I really am, would you still love me? So as a result, can I go, can I go deeper? Y'all still riding with me? So as a result, people who struggle with uh, the fear of abandonment are afraid to be authentic in relationships because they think their differences will threaten the stability of the connection. Yeah. So because of the fear of abandonment, you will be willing to lose yourself in exchange for approval and attention. I'm scared to be abandoned again. I, I, I just, I lose myself because I, I need your approval. And I need your attention. Yeah. 
You know what happens? Not you, but your neighbor. They start to take things that they normally wouldn't take. They start to accept things that they generally would make them uncomfortable. They start to allow things that you normally wouldn't allow. You ever seen a friend and they just, they just take your stuff? Now watch this. They cussed you out when you did it to them. But now they ain't got in a relationship with that person and they just skinning and grinning. <laughs> he just playing. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about? I mean, have you lost yourself completely and totally? Who are you? Will the real you please stand up? Because instead of being genuine, you aim for a watered-down version of yourself. You appease your people to you appease people to avoid causing friction. I don't like it, but I ain't gonna say nothing. I, I, ain't, I don't like it, but I ain't gonna say nothing. And you live in fear that one wrong word or mistake could cause the whole relationship to end. Can I tell you how this works? Let me just tell you how this works. Watch this. How this worked with me was that I started allowing people to do things that was really pissing me off when I would leave here instead of confronting them about their behavior. Because I'm scared if I say something to you, you're going to leave. Because you can't handle what I got to say. Oh, but something switched in me. <laughs> Those that's been here six, seven years, know there has been an evolution of Pastor Philip Rawls. <laughs> where there was a time where I would just let it slide and I wouldn't say nothing. Now, uh, call him, I need to meet with them. Don't do that. That's not how we do you around here. No. Oh, I understand your intentions, but what you did was. Do you get that? Because if I... If I'm constantly trying to water down who I am, then you don't get the benefit of who I really am. You see that? Okay. Let me, let me, let me, let me go a little bit further. Watch this. Because um, what I've discovered is if one word of mistake could cause the whole relationship to end, then there was not much of it in the first place. Because a real relationship, hear this, can take pressure. A real relationship can take disagreements. A real relationship can take difficulty, and the relationship remains. Sometimes in a relationship, we just got to agree to disagree. But just because we disagree don't mean the love stopped. If the love stopped because we disagreed, there wasn't no love at all. That was control. So don't compromise your originality. Get you back. Do me a favor. Minister that to your neighbor. Say, neighbor, get you back. Yeah. Yeah. Not get your man back. Not get your car back. Get you back. Get you back. All right. Are y'all getting something from this? Number five and I'm done. Number five and I'm done. You must practice self-confrontation. You must practice self-confrontation. that the worst in us comes out during conflict? <laughs> Listen here, Stephanie, there's some stuff that come out of me. 
I don't even know what's there. The worst comes out of us during conflict. Behaviors that you ain't seen in years, all of a sudden just comes right up. Why? Because hurt people hurt people. And it is especially difficult for those who have abandonment issues. Because when conflict arises for a person who fears abandonment, I'm finna go here and bless my own self right through here. Okay? Can y'all just ride with me right here? Okay? I got it's, it's rough for me, so I got to get through this one right here. The, when conflict arises for a person who has fear of abandonment, your number one method to deal with conflict is control. Conflict, I got to control this. Because I don't like things being out of my control. Because we think that if we can manipulate, then that will reduce my anxiety over the abandonment. So let me manipulate it so I can reduce my anxiety. And no matter how many times I check the phone, I still don't feel secure. Oh, you missed what I just said. Oh, I have the password. Y'all coming with me on this one? Well, if you love me, then I should be able to look at your text message. It shouldn't be a problem. And as many times as I check it, I still don't feel secure. Because I'm trying to control it now. Because I want to control how I feel on the inside. And the only way I can control it is I got to look at your phone. But even after looking at your phone, I still don't feel secure. That's too heavy for y'all? I'm messing. Some of y'all, y'all mad at me right now. It's okay. Breathe in, breathe out. Lord, I want to deliver you. So, pastor, what does manipulation look like? Because I don't think I'm manipulative. I just don't think it. I just don't see I don't see that. I don't see that. You ever talk to somebody and you try to tell them about themselves and they, I don't see that. You wouldn't. It's outside of you. Can I, let me just bless you. When Jesus talks about the speck and the log being in your eye, how you going to tell me about the log in my eye when you got, a, you know, the speck, the speck in my eye when you got a log in your eye? What Jesus is trying to say is that what you see is outside of you. So you can't see you because you're looking at out everything outside of you. And everything outside of you is always bigger than what's, on, what's, what, than what's really there. So you're trying to come after uh, uh, my speck, but you got a log. And you can't see that. Watch this. Okay. So... What does manipulation look like? I'm glad you asked me. Do you lie or tamper with the facts when others find fault at you? They lie. That is not true. I was there at 5 o'clock. Here's the next one. It's going to get rough. Jesus Christ. This going to get rough. Here's the next one. Do you play the victim role to gain sympathy? All right. All right. Good night. See y'all later. Here's the next one. When people, talking about, you know, manipulation, when people con confront you or call you on your behavior, do you pretend to be confused? What you mean? What? Help us, Jesus. 
Somebody lift your hands and say, help me, Lord. Help me. Help me, Lord. Here's another one that's going deeper right here. We ain't going to admit to this. Do you shame others into spending time with you? Or, last one, I'm done. I know you can't take no more. Do you attack the other person's weakness to get your way? I'm going home, Chantel. I just, listen, I, I don't want my own self out with this, okay? I can't take no more. Why do these questions make you uncomfortable? You know why? Because we would rather ignore or tolerate our dysfunction than to acknowledge that it exists. It's much easier just to blame the other person. You are making me not trust you. It's what you're doing that makes me feel that way. I'm only responding because that's what you're giving to me. But the first person we need to confront is ourselves. People who are strong in who they are admit when they are wrong. And to heal from abandonment, you need to become a person who daily self-confronts and take responsibilities for how your actions hurt other people. Psalms 51, verse number four, last verse. Come on, you ready? Read. David uh, commits adultery, has a baby uh, with Bathsheba. Nathan, the prophet, shows up, says, hey, you the man. David steps back and completely repents before God. And he tells God, he says, God, against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. In other words, I'm not going to even sit up here and play this game like it's not me. I did this. Because self-confrontation is a time of reflection where you examine if your attitudes and behaviors are out of alignment with, with who you say you are. When you self-confront, when you confront yourself, it gets you to a place to see if you are out of line with your core values. You know what self-confrontation does? You ready for this? Self-confrontation will, will, will allow you not to spend as much money. Because you will say to yourself, I said I was going to save these $1,000. But if you never confront yourself, then you will continue to just waste money left and right. When you have the ability to confront yourself, you correct flaws and take ownership for your, your bad behavior. Even if your bad behavior, if there are costs to owning your bad behavior, you take ownership of it. Because here's what I've discovered. If you're going to own it, you better pay for it. And some of us have not taken ownership. Watch this. Some of us have not found out who we really are because we keep getting repossessed on what we thought we wanted to own. So instead of us facing the fact that we got abandonment issues, we just go get somebody else. That was a repossession and you didn't even realize it. Some of you are dating your repossession and don't even see it. best in you stands up when you confront the worst in you. The best in you stands up 
when you confront the worst in you. I ain't talking about condemning yourself. I'm talking about confronting yourself and saying, you know what? I'm real janky right here. This what I'm doing? This janky. This don't please God. He ain't happy. I'm not even happy with it. So I'm confronting it so I could be the better me. Because that right there, that ain't the best. That ain't my best. And you know what happens? You ready for this? Here we go. My last point. I'm done. You know what happens when you confront yourself? What happens is you start to gain respect for yourself. That's where we've been missing it. Because we want everybody else to respect us. And we don't even respect ourselves. We want to respect some of the stuff we do. We've lost respect for ourselves because of some of the decisions that we made. And we want everybody else to respect us. But when you start to confront yourself, you will gain a respect for yourself. No more dodging responsibility because of your past. No more blaming. No more justifying. No more making excuses. We are just going to own it. That is the only way that the abandonment can be dealt with. When you can confront it and say, I do this because of my abandonment issues. This right here, I'm doing this because I got abandonment issues. God is saying, you got to take that back. You got to take it back. I'm done. I want to pray with you and for you. Um, so today I put a post out there and I said, you know, can you pray with me? Please pray with me. Because I was very, um, I was in a moment where, <laughs> have you ever found yourself, this ain't for some of y'all because some of y'all, you know, you, you want to pray. But have you ever found yourself emotional and couldn't even find the reason why you was emotional? <laughs> I mean, just like, mine just, run, just running, just running, just running, just running. And I was like, Lord, what is going on? I just need to, like, stop and just, you know, get myself together. Like, I need your help right through here. And I just put a post out there and said, can you pray with me? Because one thing I'm realizing is that people need to understand that pastors aren't, aren't Superman. Right? Because I think a lot of people think that pastors are got this Superman syndrome, and I'm not going to be one of them. Right? I'm not just, I'm not going to do that. I struggle just like y'all. I got issues and problems just like y'all. Okay? The difference is there's anointing on my life to pastor and to preach God's word. That's the only difference. But I struggle just like you struggle. And my struggles ain't no different than yours. It ain't like we got our own special struggles that are just a little bit easier than yours. No. I go home and cry my eyes out. No, excuse me, let's talk real talk. I've gone home and cried myself to sleep. I've questioned God. I'm doing this all this for you, and this is it. I've, I've, I've had those struggles before. And then I come to church, and I have to battle through that in order to give the word. And so today, I was struggling. I said, I just need the people to pray with me and pray for me. And, and supernaturally, I, God honest truth. Sometimes you need to tell people you need prayer. Because when they start praying, something lifts off of you. That's why sometimes when we come here and I ask you to pray for your neighbor, you don't understand the power that's in your mouth that can lift some burdens off the person that you sit next to. So I came up to the church, and I've been working, and I've been here all day trying to get things together, sending all these emails, trying to get this together, and, and really just trying to get myself together. And I came in here, and I had put the, 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 the cord, because I didn't like the cord coming down here, and I put it up in the ceiling, and I came and did all this stuff. And uh, was all up in the ceiling. I almost put a post out there see, and say, this is what real pastors do. But I ain't go there because that's self-aggrandizement and I ain't want that. But anyway, so I, I was doing all that and I'm, do I'm doing all this busy work. 
And God stopped me and said, can you slow down long enough to deal with the emotion of what you said on Monday? Because you've been running ever since you said that on Monday. And did you think that you're going to give it to them and it not work on you? I said, okay, Lord. Well, let's deal with it then. And the Lord just started talking to me and saying, do you understand the assignment of the enemy that's on your life? Here's real talk. The reason why he wants you to walk in abandonment, because he needs you to get stuck emotionally so that you will never move into the promise that I have for you. Because you will self-sabotage yourself every single time because you get emotionally worked up over stuff. And when I'm trying to get you past it, you'll never get past it because you're all in your feelings. So I need you to deal with the feelings of it so that you can have the mental capacity to go beyond where you are right now. So I said, God, all this stuff happening, I'm trying to grow this church, and people seem like they say lethargic and everywhere. And God said, did I not give you the vision? Yes, I did give you the vision. Okay, well, what's up, God? He said, but you're getting in your own way because you're allowing your emotions to get ahead of my promise. Do you trust the promise or do you trust your emotions? Because you ain't realized by now, them emotions lying to you. Because five minutes later, you're going to feel a whole lot better than you did right now. Why am I teaching this? Why did I stop this whole series? Because some of you are allowing the emotion of the abandonment issue that's still in you to hinder where God is trying to take you. God is saying, you got to deal with that abandonment. You got to let me work on that thing. And it ain't a one-shot thing. It ain't going to be one teaching. And all of a sudden, you got it. It's, it's that you got to get up the next day and say, God, I got this abandonment issue. I need your help. I see some stuff in myself. Your mind start going back to relationships that you had. Come on, let's have real talk. Your mind start going back to relationships you had and realize that was all because I had abandonment issues. I didn't even like that person. They was crazy. But because I could not let go because I was scared of being dropped again. Am I talking to anybody tonight? I know this is hard to confront, but there's some of us that needed to hear this tonight. God is saying you got to deal with your abandonment issues. So I need everybody to stand. I'm going to have you out of here in just a little bit. Do I need this one, God? If this message hits you in such a profound way, that you know that you are struggling with this abandonment thing. Maybe it's not like me where, where I had a father who just dropped me and it just messed with me ever since then. Maybe that's not your story. Maybe you had two parents in the house but you still felt abandoned. Here's another way that you felt abandoned. Maybe you had a sibling that was preferred over you and you felt abandoned.